Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trending higher this morning, setting aside losses on Wall Street overnight. Joining me now, we're going to break down all the market action. Ryan Huang, good morning. Morning, Michelle. We're in the thick of earnings season, which can tell us not only how the individual companies are faring, but also how market segments are doing. And this morning, we're going to break down the latest results for you with a focus on property, electric cars, and China-related companies. I'm going to start with property where the signals are mixed. Property developers like OUE are reporting banner earnings, but REITs. Not so much. So OUE profits nearly doubled in the second half of the year as compared with a year earlier. It netted more than $100 million. What is powering OUE's strong performance? Okay, let's take a look at the numbers for OUE. And it is, on the surface, quite a strong half. Nearly doubled to $101.2 million. And this is off the back of just more earnings coming through. Higher revenue, which rose to 292 $1.4 million from $148.8, so much so that the board of directors has proposed a final dividend of $0.1.5 cents a share, which is up from a final dividend of $0.01 cent from last year. So that's mm-hmm. the prospects of how all of its business segments have been doing well, all reporting higher revenue, including the investment properties division, which saw revenue up 11%. Uh, this was partly due to higher contribution from investment properties in Singapore and China as they saw lower rental rebates and also other support measures being granted to tenants. Now, despite its solid business results, OUE shares have been trending lower. They are down about 2% over the past month and more than 4% over the past year. Uh, Let's stay with real estate, Ryan. So, Property Guru's business performance has improved substantially, though the listings portal is still losing money. What's the latest here? Yeah, so let's take a look at the numbers. You've got losses and that is Property Guru reporting an 80.7% drop in losses to $5.2 million. The good news is the losses are narrowing because the loss in the fourth quarter in the prior year was at $27.2 million. So losing money, but not as much. And revenue is higher, 16.8% to $40.1 million. So that helps with some part of um, the balance sheet. So we've got a pickup in business, as we've seen in many of the property plays, a rebound in things like business activities and also transactions, increase in overall agents, average revenue per agent. All these factors were better and helped some part to narrow the losses for Property Guru. Property Guru is listed in the US. It is currently trading down 5% in after-hours action after suffering a pretty steep sell-off back in 2022. Property Guru shares rallying this year up 12% since January to be specific. Let's stick with property. We are now on to Singapore's Real Estate Investment Trust. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Nearly half of the REITs reporting earnings have cut their distributions to investors and the Business Times is running a story by Jude Chan, that warns that more pain may lie ahead for the REIT sector. What's the argument here? Yeah, so this dives into quite a few numbers. And I am looking at a rather mixed picture, half glass full, half glass empty, depending on which side you want to look at it. So let's start with how it suggests that it might get worse before it gets better. And that's off the back of 
an observation that nearly two-thirds of REITs have seen their DPU retreat compared to the preceding quarter or half year before. So that implies uh, that there is momentum more downwards than upwards. So anyone who's trying to get into REITs will have to bear that in mind that there could be further declines before things pick up again. So that is the, I guess, not so bright picture. But the brighter picture or bright spots is mm-hmm. you've got among 35 S streets, 26 of them reported an improvement, mostly due to the revival of economic activity with border reopenings. So that is a promising or encouraging sign that there is a pickup. But I guess if you want to look at DPU and deals, then that may be a different picture. So it's a bit of a mixed bag depending on how you want to look into it. What do you make of the argument? I mean, do you agree more pain could be in store for read investors? Well, there is an argument that we could be in for more pain because there are headwinds to be in uh, to take into account. For example, higher interest rates is the key right. one. And when we look mm-hmm. at financing, they, to some degree, will be sensitive to these higher rates, either taking new loans or refinancing. So that will increase their growing ratio and, of course, the premiums uh, that will have to be paid for investing in such a unit. So that's one part of it. The other part, of course, is how the economy might play out. It's still not out of the woods yet for the global economy. Uh, when we talk about how we might still be in store for a recession, that is still on the table for the US, the Europe, and maybe implications down the road for Asia. So if you look at how REITs could be impacted, that is a potential headwind. And when you talk about how some of the expenses... Uh, for many businesses are going up, they could also be cutting back on their demand for office space, commercial space, or anything that might be being sold by REITs. So that's the other prospect of it if you really want to look at the gloomy side of things. So there are risks involved down the road uh, if you are looking at the REIT space. All right, let's segue to one of Singapore's biggest listed companies, and that is the Chinese electric vehicle maker NIO. NIO sales are up, but its profits are not. In fact, it's losing more money than before. What's happening here? Yeah, quite a classic case of spending more than you're making. So if you look at mm. the numbers by NIO, net loss was just over 5.8 billion yuan, pretty much more than double the loss from the prior year before. So you are looking at a couple of things weighing on NEO and I will flag vehicle margins. So profit margins are down at 6.8% versus 20.9% in the same period in 2021. And if you look at another factor driving down the margins, cost of sales, this was up 88.3%. So this was due to a couple of things like an increase in delivery volume, inventory provisions, uh, faster depreciation on production facilities, higher battery cost per vehicle. So it's a huge mix of expenses going up and just dragging down NEO. Lots of expenses there indeed. Here in Singapore, NEO shares climbed 9% yesterday, but over in the US, I checked and they fell 6%. So one more China-related company before we move on, Yang Zijiang Financial. This is the first time it is reporting full-year results since being spun off by its parent company, Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding. Now, several months ago, the company issued a statement saying it was benefiting from rising interest rates. Remember that? Mm. Uh, its full-year results, though, show 
a big drop in profits, Ryan. Why are earnings down so much? Yeah, so if you look at what's being said by uh, the financial statements, you've got an allowance. That's pretty much the reason why we're seeing such a big drop. So looking at numbers, 80% down from 130.7 million to now 25.6 million for the second half of the financial year because of allowances of 17.1 million. So this comes as part of a 135.9 million allowance for credit losses recorded during that second half. And this is due to things like non-performing debt investments and microfinance loans. So it's a sign that some parts of the loans business is not as healthy as they hope it to be and it's providing for those losses. And here you have the losses coming through in the latest second half, down 80%. Yeah, the group says it will progressively reduce its China exposure to 50% of AUM. Yang Zijiang's financial business was hard hit by China's COVID-0 policies last year. You remember, company officials say they are working to diversify its portfolio outside of China. Let's turn to China right now, why not, where the latest economic numbers are encouraging. Factory activity in February jumped to its highest reading in more than a decade, and economists are predicting an improvement in consumer activity as well. Let's look at a couple of possible ways to invest on this trend. Now, if you believe that China's economy will continue to rebound, Leslie Yi has an article in the Business Times this morning arguing that Sasser REIT could be a good way to profit from China's reopening. All right, walk us through the argument supporting Sasser REIT. Well, if you're a fan of outlet mall shopping, you know, going to these big wholesale, almost type oh, of yeah. bargains, you can mm-hmm. look forward to Sasser REIT doing well because they own four outlet malls in China. So bargains for your designer brands are law. So that's what's in store. And they have a lifestyle section as well. So they have many things to attract people to go there and to shop and just stick around. So that's the allure uh, attraction of Cecil Reed's proposition. And with China reopening and of course tourists also going back into China, that will just mean more spending, which can mean higher consumer confidence and just feeds into itself. A feel-good mood in China will see more people shopping and if you're doing well in the economy, then that will mean Cecil Reed is going to do well. So that's the um, prospects of Cecil Reed in the coming year, possibly riding on that reopening wave. Now, another company that is set to benefit from China's reopening is Singapore Airlines, or more specifically, its low-cost carrier, Scoot. So I understand that Scoot is actually ramping up flights. What's the latest? Yeah, no surprise. It's almost a no-brainer if China's reopening, you want to be tapping that market. So Scoot has been ramping up flights to more cities in China, and that's been announced in the past few weeks. And now we've got Scoot saying... It's likely to be able to ride the reopening wave from China to reach capacity pre-COVID levels. So right now, it says it's at around 80%. And this is having scaled up from 50% thereabouts in the early 2022 part of the year. So that's something that's encouraging for Scoot. It's recovering. And in time to come, it's expecting the China reopening to really give it another win in the sales. 
<laughs> Shares of Singapore Airlines are up nearly 13% over the past year. All right, let's turn to the US now where Tesla is holding a pretty high-profile investor day. Elon Musk is hiring over at Next Generation Tesla and the language that he's using on stage is interesting. It hints at a really big vision, one marked by sustainability without austerity. And yet some critics argue that... Well, the presentation seems to be short on specifics. I wonder if we could take a step back, Ryan, with with an overview. Yeah, so let's start with what people were hoping to see. So when it comes to Elon Musk, you can't rule out any surprises, right? And everyone was saying, hey, is that going to be a next big thing of sorts? Is he going to blow us away with another, um, well, bold announcement or Mm. declaration? So there was a lot of buzz being built up and to some degree, it did fall short on those expectations. So what we heard instead was how, well, here's the good news. Tesla is optimistic and is looking to cut costs of its assembly line. How it makes vehicles, it thinks it can do better, cutting costs by half. And this, to some degree, is being smarter with how it does things and also stripping out stuff that it does not need based on some of the feedback it's been getting. Uh, one example is how it's been hearing from its existing customers that they don't need sunroofs. So this is where they can take out that feature and with all that combined, all the features they don't need will make it cheaper by 50%. So the part that disappointed was how some of the market watchers were looking to see if he would say anything about the next generation vehicle or the next Tesla, so to speak. But that (laughs) fell short in terms of details. So maybe he's a bit cautious after promising so much in the past few years and yet to deliver on many of them, including having solar panels on the top of EVs. So that's something um, I guess he's got his plate full of, including his other hobbies. Yeah, many other hobbies. Um, so what do you think of this new master plan and, you know, what's going to be needed for full sustainability? Yeah, part of master plan is that big push, at least in terms of optics, the drive for sustainability. So he's saying yeah. that Tesla can play a big part. It's not just about making EVs, but also making batteries for these EVs and batteries for large-scale utility plants. So effectively, mm. if you have renewable energy, for example, solar-powered stuff, you can accumulate these solar-powered generated electricity in these batteries because right now the problem is you can't store renewable energy. You have to use it as you make it. So with Tesla, he thinks it can be a big part towards driving further sustainability for everyone on Earth. So he's saying, you know, he has a big role to play to saving Earth. That's pretty much uh, what I'm saying. That's right. You remember back in 2016, he already laid out some sort of plan for new models and battery storage. So I suppose we'll need to see what this new master plan for a sustainable energy future for everybody really means. Uh, Investors are not showing Tesla much love today. Tesla shares are down more than 5% in after hours trade. All right, time for up or down. I'm going to call this the international edition because every entry looks at a company or an entity from a different country. So let's start up with Germany's Bundesbank. I am going with 
down because Bundesbank has just posted its first loss in over four decades. So a victim yeah. of higher rates. Wow. For the first time in more than 40 years, incredible. Germany's central bank reporting an annual loss, which it does blame on higher interest rates. So I join you with a down for Bundesbank. Let's look at India's Adani Group. Yeah, this is a tough one to make a call on. So I am going with down. So it's around the headlines that Adani Group is trashing a report that it had received a $3 billion loan from a Middle Eastern fund. So it says, or rather the report says that Adani um, secured a loan, but Adani Group has defended itself to the extent that they are saying they did not take the loan. So otherwise, regardless, it's not a great look in terms of optics because it just throws into question what's going on here. Is this really happening? So a lot more question marks than necessary for Adani to deal with right now. Indeed. So for the first time since the Hindenburg report torpedoed the Adani Group's market value, shares of all the listed Adani Group companies finished higher yesterday, boosted by news that Adani has secured a $3 billion US dollar credit line from a sovereign wealth fund. So from that perspective, it could be an up for Adani for now. Let's continue our world tour, shall we, with Britain's Aston Martin. All right, let's drive to the UK for that luxury car maker. And it's going up. It's forecasting better profitability. And this is after actually quite a bad year for Aston Martin. So um, I guess some mm, possible tailwinds on the back of a weakening UK currency to ride on. So that's possibly one factor to watch out for. Of course, the other factors would be how it navigates the supply chain and logistics disruptions that have been affecting the automotive industry. But otherwise, it's looking quite optimistic in the year ahead because of an increase in volumes and what it believes to be higher gross margins for some of its cars. Aston Martin shares have surged 14% on the back of that strong earnings forecast. So, hey, it's an up for the British car maker. Next up, let's look at Indonesia's first resources, which, by the way, is listed here in Singapore. Okay, so this is going to be an up for me. So, net profit for first resources up 53.4% in the second half to just slightly under $200 million. And good news for investors, you've got a dividend of... 12 cents being proposed. So you are looking at net profit more than doubling. So it is uh, good news for palm oil producer for first resources. Uh, yeah, the palm oil business seems to be going pretty strong. If you look at the profits, more than 50% up in the second half of the year for Indonesia's first resources. And finally, we end up in the US for Salesforce. I am going with up. It looks like the sales force, force is back. So you've got a very optimistic <laughs> outlook. And Salesforce CEO Mark Binoff says, we have hit the hyperspace button. So that is a reference to how you've you know, seen on in these movies, uh, uh-huh. that super speed travel sort of phase where if you're on a spaceship, you can go light years in terms of speeds. So that's something he's uh, saying, hey, that space Salesforce is now bouncing back and it's time to look forward to a strong full-year profit guidance. So that's also alongside a new $20 billion stock buying back. So that's good news mm-hmm. for investors, some potential capital appreciation. 
That is a great name. You ha- you can spin off all sorts of metaphors with that name. Uh, so Salesforce's CEO is saying, yes, his goal for Salesforce is to be the most profitable software company in the world. Investors like that show of force. Salesforce's shares are up 15% in after-hours trade. Fantastic. Thank you for that wonderful overview. Ryan Huang there. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.